0: Hey everybody, this is Phil Town.
1: And this is Danielle Town.
0: And welcome to the Invested Podcast where we talk about how to invest your money the way the best investors in the world do, very specifically Warren Mm. Buffett, Charlie Munger, not just everybody, but the guys, (laughs) (laughs) the men and women who have figured out how to invest in what's called value investing, Mm. which we've talked about quite a lot, value investing, which is simply... Finding wonderful businesses and buying them on sale, which sometimes I say is like buying $10 bills for $5. That's what we're out to do, buying $10 bills for $5. And what that does is a couple of things that I think are worth starting the show with. Number one, it produces long-term returns that are better than any other investing strategy I've seen in my 35 years of this. Excellent point. Number two, it produces those returns not based on super IQs. It produces them based on just being rational and mm. not emotional. And third, and it is... And not
1: timing it exactly right also. And
0: yeah, not having to time things. Third, it allows us to invest with our values, which means putting your money where your mouth is and following what you know is the right thing for your kids uh, down the road, which means when you're buying a company, um, even a few shares of a company, we think of it in terms of buying the whole thing. And it's a fundamental part of being a great investor. It's what Charlie and Warren do all the time. So you follow your values. um, And those are all really key qualities of finding a really, really good business. And then finally, be sure you're buying this thing on sale. You, know, you have to wait patiently and take advantage of the single thing that you have that's an advantage over all of the fund managers that are out there who are smarter than you are and me and Danielle. Well, maybe not Danielle, <laughs> but smarter than me and those guys and mostly I'm just going to let
1: that one go by.
0: <laughs> <laughs> those guys are, are focused on short-term gains because their, their investors are big pension funds primarily. Uh, who have the Chicago Teachers Pension Fund and so on. And they have to keep up with the market. If they don't keep up with the market, then they get fired and somebody else gets the money. They're not paid to sit there and wait. Whereas Charlie Munger said the key to great investing results is to sit there and wait and be patient.
1: Yeah. Yeah, both he and Buffett say that all the time and they say... Basically, that's the key to their investing strategy. The reason that they set up Berkshire Hathaway the way they did, which is not a fund, it's a co- private, it's a public company that owns a bunch of public and private companies, and they can just do nothing, or they can buy companies, or they can invest in the public stock market in other companies, or they can buy real estate. There's probably other stuff they do too, but basically they've made it so that they don't have that institutional imperative of having to do something all the time.
0: That's right, and once you sort of figure out what it looks like to buy a wonderful business on sale, you can apply those exact parameters to purchasing a laundromat downtown as a private company, building your own private company, buying a franchise from Domino's, Picking up a farm, uh, you know, I mean, they, it applies to every investment process that produces cash flow. We just do picking them all the same. Picking up a farm.
1: We're, picking up <laughs> I'm gonna a farm. You're going to pick up a farm today.
0: Take that two acre farm over there.
1: That reminds me of when I was at your house one time, like last year or something. And you just came home and you were like, I picked up a new car today. And I was like, what? Like, you mean you like arranged to purchase one in a reasonable amount of time upon reflection? And you were like, nope, it's in the driveway. (laughs) And I walked out and there was a different car. (laughs) And you were like, yep, just
0: traded in the old one. By the way, brief aside, you may hear the audio briefly stop over time in this podcast because I have a cough. I'm sniffling. I've got a cold. Danielle is not 100%.
1: I have a cold too. Uh, somehow it's February and it's like freaking cold and flu season, and I know it's been a terrible flu year already. So I hope you guys are all doing okay out there, um, but we are—we're powering through.
0: Yep, we'll so, try to take the sniffles out of the podcast yeah, recording,
1: exactly. so you don't have to but listen. But the reason to we're powering through today, Dad—I mean, not just that it's Tuesday and we make sure we put out a podcast every week, but. Um, I'm so excited to tell everybody about some special gifts that we have for people who pre-order our new book, Invested. Ah,
0: Special gifts? What? Yeah, exactly. That was. Is this going to cost me something? What's? What do I got to do?
1: Yeah, it might cost you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how. That's what gifts are all about. It's like it's about the joy of giving, right, Dad?
0: It is about the joy of giving. It's all about the joy of giving. Yeah. And tell me what I'm going to be joyful to give, please.
1: Okay. Are you ready for yeah, I need the to be biggest, right most now. exciting thing? Yeah.
0: Fire away. This is
1: actually, this is actually really exciting. Like I'm, I'm like genuinely like, can't wait for this to happen. So the first thing is that it's a contest. One person is going to win their first $1,000 to invest. And not just that, but they'll also get a full ride to your investing workshop the rule one investing workshop so that they can come and learn what to do with that money that they're going to be able to invest.
0: Wait, is this is this your $1000 you're giving them or what?
1: Wait, <laughs> it could why be my do I suspect?
0: <laughs> why, why do I suspect this is my $1000 you're giving away?
1: Well, you, and you know, give away fl- by the way, you also give away other money at that workshop. I happen to mm-hmm. know about that. Is that is
0: true. That is true. <laughs> All right. So we're going to do that. That sounds pretty fun. And we're going to get and, you a free seat. This is for you and a guest to come to the workshop. And it
1: includes flight and a hotel. I don't think it includes a guest, Dad.
0: Yeah, it includes a guest. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, you know why? Because two heads are better than one. And we want to have a permanent, if we're going to go to all this trouble to get you into this workshop, we want it to stick. And one of the hardest things to do is to go home to your spouse and say, honey, I know how to invest. Because they know you. And they're going to I think, know. no way do you know how to invest. You don't know how to invest. You need an MBA. You need to go to Harvard. You need to listen to your financial advisor who's telling you, you don't know how to do this. You need me. That is all coming at you from your spouse. And you know it is unless oh they're God. there, too.
1: I've been going through it with my own spouse, I will admit. And he, he watches me do this stuff all the time. <laughs> and he's so supportive. And he's still just like, wait, what did you just say? Like, what are you doing? What is this new thing? And I'm like, I just wrote a whole book about it. I mean, you know everything I'm doing. And yet still, like, until he actually starts doing it himself, he's not going to totally get it.
0: And that's because Nuno, is not just some guy. He is a world-class level banking consultant who develops yeah. banking products on the basis predominantly of modern portfolio theory.
1: Now, That's he's a fair really point. Good at yes, it. he he is like of all the people in all the world. He is the <coughs> excuse me. He is the apotheosis of like the what the, first, the apotheosis the apostle the yes he's the apostle of emh <laughs> but really like he went to business school he learned about efficient market hypothesis he is the guy who thinks all this stuff is accurate and it's been an education for i think for both of us dad to talk to him about it and i think we have uh, pretty much convinced him
0: that fairness, it's not in all fairness this is this is how the whole argument gets gets structured is that you have someone who's really well educated and does the math phenomenally can can manipulate the mathematics to, to create balanced portfolios depending on what this bank wants to do but think about it a bank doesn't have to go out and make high rates of return what they right. have to do is be sure that they have low risk and they just a comfortable you know single digit rate of return consistently is all they're about. In other words, they invest like very wealthy people do. And that's how the whole financial industry has been structured is to advise wealthy people, duh, because they got the money to pay you. So if financial advisor wants wealthy people, they don't want you, they don't want somebody with, you know, $110,000 or $40,000 or $10,000. They could care less. They're gonna tell you to take a hike down to your local robo-advisor. So Nuno, in all fairness, is doing things that allow the banks to consistently perform over long periods of time at relatively low rates of return with low risk. That's his job.
1: That's true. And that's right. That's his job. And I actually think that efficient market hypothesis is much more accurate than Buffett and Munger would make it out to be on a short term basis, on the basis of what they These these institutional fund managers are actually looking at, you know, I think that's
0: that's quite an insight you just said right there. Why do you think that?
1: Because the whole idea behind efficient market hypothesis is that information is priced into a stock accurately all the time at any given moment. And on a short term basis, when you're looking a week ahead or a day ahead or 10 minutes ahead, it probably is pretty close to that. Oh, when you're looking sure. on a
0: long term. Oh, oh. No. Oh, no. No. Oh no. No, no. No. But when you you're looking exactly on a long
1: term. No.
0: <clears throat> yes. Go ahead.
1: No. I, all I want to do is get out our pre order gifts here, Dad, but fine, we'll have a discussion about efficient market hypothesis.
0: All right, here we go. We have really so, incredible, great gifts for you when you pre order the book, but just come back to this right now because this is upside yeah, down. Yeah, but
1: by the way, the whole book is us having discussions like this. Yes. This is <laughs> somebody, upside down. Somebody
0: asked me, I'm not letting somebody this go. Asked me, Ain't I'm happening. not trying
1: to get away from it. I just want to say. Somebody asked me about how rule number one is different from invested. And I was like, I, the question just about blew my mind because it's so utterly different from rule number one, um, not in its content so much, although the content is definitely different, but just in the way it's presented, which is like this. Um,
0: so back to this, because you're sneaking out. So This is I'm not, not at right. all, oh
1: my God. <laughs> okay. okay. Efficient market hypothesis says, That information is priced into the stock accurately at any given moment. Yes? Yes. And I and you have found that that is inaccurate. That is not correct because information is different at different times. And people take the information differently based on, as we've discovered and agreed, based on what their own investing incentives are. So, information for somebody who has a two-week time horizon on their money is different from me who has a 10-year time horizon on my money correct right, right so i think in that short-term view you could say that their view is correct in that the price and the value are really the same they don't care about an underlying value They are just looking at price movements and they're essentially just trading the stock, not buying a company.
0: Well, what you're saying is not entirely stupid.
1: All right. So tell me where it's stupid.
0: (laughs) First off, you have to understand what value is. What value is not something based on a short term result for two weeks. You can't figure out value over a two week period. It doesn't work like that. Because a business is not a Picasso. So while you might figure, okay, this Picasso is going to sell in a range in the next two weeks of, you know, 10 million to 15 million down at Sotheby's. That's not how we produce value in a business. We produce value in a business by looking at cash flow. And the cash flow right. over the next two weeks is irrelevant. It has, makes no difference. It might not even be any cash flow. It might be a ton of cash flow. It might be selling half their business. Over the next two weeks, value is un. Figure outable. You you don't know what it is,
1: right? Which is that's my point. That's why they just look at the price. Well, that's
0: it. They just look at the price, right? Yeah. Over a two week period and look at it where they think it's going to go over a two week period, and they might be right. But that doesn't exactly. mean that they're figuring out the value over the next two weeks. All when in other words, when you're looking at value as a as a value type investor, you have to look well out into the future, five to ten years out, and calculate what you'd expect to have happen, which really boils down, as we talked about in the book uh, 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 intensely, it boils down to your ability to correctly predict that the future will be more productive than today, and that Mm -hmm. the value of that future is a value higher significantly than the price you're paying today. That's value investing boiled right down in a yes. nutshell. So when yes. you're saying that these guys are making decisions based on value and price on a two week business, that makes no sense. You can't say That's that.
1: not what I said. That's not what I said. Replay. I didn't say that. Okay. Replay is, I said, efficient market hypothesis works for what they're doing on a short term outlook. Does the,
0: I, does the efficient hypothesis not say that the, that the value of the business and the price of the business are same?
1: Oh, I see what you're saying. That's what you're objecting to. You're right. It does say that. (laughs) Excuse
0: me? What were those magic words for your daddy?
1: I said, you're right. (laughs)
0: And what I will say is that. Wait, let me just recap what you're right about.
1: All right, go ahead. Oh wait, but you were about to say what I was right about, so let, let's yeah. do that first. And
0: what you're right about is on the short term basis, this fund manager could be absolutely dead on the money with his analysis of the current price being something that's headed down.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's take what, the action that's what that. I'm trying to say. I mean, I think you're exactly right. So efficient market hypothesis does state that price and value are the same. And that's the part that I skipped over. And I was just thinking that the part about it, like pricing in information all the time was, was what I was thinking And about. that is right. Pricing um, in
0: information all the time is true. They're very, very good at it when they're looking at, you know, um, some big change in bond rates. I mean, Warren and, and Charlie have said that you could, the Federal Reserve chairman could tell them the future bond rates for the T-bills a year in advance from now, and they still wouldn't change a single thing they're doing. But boy, would Nuno ever change what he's doing, because the time frame is important for yeah. those guys, and it's not important it's for us. It's everything. It's everything for them. It's nothing for us.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, totally. Okay, this well, is go good. Back, this is, go back
0: to good. all right. Back to the incentives. Back to the incentives. What am I doing now? I'm I'm chucking out airfare, hotel. Thousand dollars cash for someone, and their and their and their and their guest, which could be your kid or your dad or your mom or your wife or some ideally somebody who you're going to invest with would be great. And you're coming to Atlanta, Georgia. You're going to be Atlanta, Georgia as our guest. You're going to come over with your classmates to our house, to our horse farm, and you are going to hobnob. And if you time it just right, you'll get Danielle here, which is really what everybody wants to do. They I mean, I'm you. so
1: excited about it, that I'm going to definitely, I mean, I definitely try. Is that a phrase? Definitely try to be there.
0: Well, you'll be here some of the time. So you just. got will. And we'll get, just, we'll just work it this, out. When you win this, you should try to make it when she's here, but you're going to come over here. You're going to meet me. You're going to meet Melissa. You're going to meet our horses. You're going to meet our riders. You're going to have a good time. We'll take a lot of pictures. And we will absolutely teach you to invest the way the best investors in the world do. It's going to be a great weekend.
1: And there's a great video that you did dad on how to start investing with a thousand dollars. And I recommend everybody go check that video out. It's on dad's YouTube channel. Um, and it's on rule and it's, it's just, it, it's like, yes, we can do this, even starting with that small amount of money. And that's why we wanted to give somebody the seed money to get going.
0: Right on. We'll get you so going. I'm thrilled about it. What else are we doing?
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. Here's another thing. That's cool. Are you ready? Hmm. We are having a special group on Facebook just for people who pre-order the book from now or not now, I keep saying that, but that's not true, from any time since the book has been available until March 27th, the day it comes out, you can get invited to this Facebook group where I will be answering your questions, dad will be answering your questions and you can ask us whatever you want and it's gonna be only available to people who pre-order. We're going to put up some special information up there. We're going to put up some early podcasts up there. So you're going to get stuff that nobody else gets ahead of time. And uh, and I'm really excited personally to talk to all of you about what you think about your investing practice, about what your questions are before the book even comes out, and um, and really like get our uh, conversation going online.
0: And it's really cool because... You're going to be able to see other people's questions in that very elite group, and you're going to see the answers to those questions. And so even if you didn't think of that question, I promise you, chances are it's a question you should have thought of, and the answer is going to be important. So you're going to be able to learn an awful lot about investing um, over the course of the time that you're in the Facebook group. So that's really cool. How long are they going to be able to stay in the Facebook group?
1: After the book comes out, for sure, we're going to continue the group. So.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. So you're going to have an elite group. All right, indefinitely elite group. Yeah. So you want to be part of that, and you can only be part of that one way, and that's by pre-ordering the book Invested um, between now and when when does it no longer count? March 27th. Okay, so now in March 26th, you got to order the book. All right, so I'd do it now. Make sure you get in there because we're going to cut that yeah. off when it hits so
1: clearly, the number
0: we're shooting for.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, these are not indefinite gifts for sure. Right. Um, and that's on purpose because we want to have a small group and make it really worthwhile for everybody who buys the book early. All
0: right. Before we turn this podcast into a total infomercial, what else are we doing? Is there anything else I've got to do yeah, here? you're right. What?
1: Um no, dad, you're done. That's it. Those two things are things we're doing and then the other stuff everybody gets are guess what? Our forward and introduction from the book, which the forward you wrote mm-hmm. and the introduction I wrote.
0: Are we going to put that out there early?
1: I'm so Yeah, we're going to put it out there early for okay. people who pre-order because it's such I, I just don't how do I even describe? It's such a sweet opening to the book and dad you just told me the other day what happened when you recorded the audiobook book um, recording for your forward.
0: oh it's so that was so amazing this has happened a couple of times now with people that haven't haven't heard what the book's about i started recording the audio portion of this thing that i'd written and uh, one of the engineers in the booth is a woman and she started actually to have tears and had to kind of stop everything for a second. So it's good it's Jeez. pretty deep, I think, is the way I would say it. It's in a there's a lot yeah, of emotion in this a, book. It's a
1: good there is. And it's it, this is what people that.
0: don't know when they're thinking about this as an investing book. This is also a relationship book. It's about Danielle's relationship with me and mine with her, father, daughter. About going through some significant growth in this book, as we were writing the book, a lot of stuff came out. So that's what that's what I think a lot of people really love about it. It makes it really accessible story. Yeah. It's fun. I'm glad we wrote There's it.
1: There's no other book like this.
0: No, there isn't. <laughs> that's for sure.
1: And then the last two things. The last two things you're gonna get which are just really helpful for your investing practice is an e-booklet that gives you five steps to start your on your investing practice and reach financial freedom. So that's like a little boost before you get the full book. And then a really cool wallpaper that you can put on your phone or your computer that lays out the 12 months of your investing practice and the focus for each of those months, which I sort of thought, to be totally honest, like, okay, whatever. And then I saw it, and I was like, oh, my God, I think it's the coolest thing. I have it on my computer. I really like it. So (laughs) I feel like that should be, like, number one on the list, but um, maybe I'm the only one who thinks that. So you're just going to get all this stuff. And uh, sorry for turning this into an infomercial, but this is how much we care about pre-orders. So... Um, We appreciate you guys so much and want to make sure you get some special gifts for supporting us.
0: Yep. So let's get back to it.
1: Let's get back to it. it. Right. Oh, wait, I need to tell everybody how to get these. Sorry, really quickly. Go to investedbook.com or just if you've already bought the book, which I know a lot of you have, send your receipt to specialoffer at investedbook.com investabook.com. It'll give you all the info. You can also go to my website or dad's website, danielletown.com or rolloninvesting.com. And there will be links there to um, uh, to get these gifts once you have the receipt. That's it. Okay. So let's get back to, um, well, what we were talking about a while ago was inverting the story because we haven't talked about that so much on this podcast. And I was trying to get to our cool list Our checklist of expensive errors. Because what I really need are checklists. I need like clear, straightforward, here's what you do to not screw this up, investing practice kind of information. And so you had been telling me about inverting the story and about like essentially cross-examining your own argument, which... Is a great idea and it's doable. And it's not the easiest thing to do in the world. Like, you need to practice it. I certainly needed to practice it. And then you gave me this checklist of expensive errors that other investors had made already. And I just felt so much safer all of a sudden because. I could screw up my own cross-examination. I could get the inversion wrong. And still, if I check this company against this list of expensive errors, I'm not going to make those ones. And those are, I mean, I'm sure we'll come up with some others, but those are kind of the errors that people make.
0: Yep. Those are the errors people make. And the the value of a checklist is beyond belief. One of our, our great coaches is Nancy Davis, who flies for delta airlines as a senior captain and she just said it like this she lives by checklist and she meant literally stays mm-hmm. alive and all the people on her plane are staying alive because of checklists yeah and i think a long time ago we talked about oh i'm gonna pronounce his name wrong i know but atul gawande I' pardon me yeah. atul if i pronounced your name wrong He's a surgeon and phenomenal writer, and one of his first books was about checklists. I think it's called The Checklist Manifesto, and it is incredible. You should really read this book, Checklist Manifesto by Gawande, and it basically lays out all these stories about the evolution of checklists for the airlines. Like It used to be that they have these laundry lists, these giant things, you know, 97 items. Don't forget this, and then don't forget that. And then they discovered that in an emergency, you have a checklist. You don't have time for 97 items. You have time for five items. And they discovered that they uh, that the kind of thing you do with a checklist that's real important is you you can't put things on there like don't forget to sit down in the pilot seat, don't forget to put on yeah, your right. seatbelt. You know, um, <laughs> you have to you have to figure out what are the key things. And so that's what we've done with this checklist is figure out. What are the key things? Not what are the 847,000 things you can do wrong, right?
1: Right, because I asked you for a longer list. I was like, this does not seem adequate. There's got to be more errors that people have made. And you basically like came down on me and you were like, no, this checklist (laughs) has to be manageable. And then I actually remembered this other story, um, again, from airplane checklists. And it's the same thing you were just saying about Nancy. There, I saw this TV show, and it's it just covers airplane crashes, which is really sad. And one of the airplane crashes was due to the failure of a checklist. The engine fell off of the airplane, and it turns out that there's a checklist for what to do when the engine falls off of the airplane, and yet the plane went down anyway. So the investigators were trying to figure out what happened to these pilots. and they looked at the checklist that they had and the checklist would have taken them 45 minutes to go through. Wow. These guys had about five minutes maybe before the plane stopped gliding. Wow! And the plane went down. And so then they changed that checklist. And so I was really, once I remember that, I was very grateful to you for creating a checklist that was manageable. And useful and one where I can really go through every single thing without it being so uh, unwieldy that I just quit halfway through, which is, you know, what happens to a lot of us with these things.
0: Well, we're, we're busy pumping our book. So let's just go ahead and pump it one more time that that's what we get into in this book. We get into that checklist and lay it out for you guys in the book. So if you want that checklist, we probably won't go through the whole thing line by line in the podcast but we will certainly lay it out line by line for you in the book invested for right now let's talk about one of the critical items on the checklist which is the uh inversion of the story that you create about this company so we know that you're going to build a story around the company that says this is a great company and it's on sale that's the essence of your story Great company on sale. Now, how do you know it's a great company? Well, you understand the business and you explain how the business works. You know that it has a moat of some sort. you got management people you trust. And then that makes a great company. And then you go on to find out the value and you figure out a price you're willing to pay for it, which is a fair price on sale. So those things are the, the basic parts of the checklist about building a checklist for, yes, this is a company I want to own. Now what? Well, now you have to subject your own story to your own uh, rigorous critique. You're going to critique your story. You're going to. That's the
1: cross-examination I was mentioning.
0: That's the cross-examination. You're going, and Charlie calls it this. He said, you want to get it right about an investment before you pull the trigger and buy something, invert, always invert. And that comes from, I think the mathematician Pascal, who said, you want to solve a, mathematical equation, invert the argument. In other words, put the equal sign and then flip the equation over to the other side and invert it and see if it'll work, see if it solves properly. I don't even understand what that means, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that's what Charlie said. <laughs> <laughs> Had, no, you know, but
1: that's right. In math, one side should always equal the other side, even if you flip it around.
0: Right. Exactly. And I know
1: nothing about math, and even I know that.
0: I say exactly, like, yes, I really understand that, which I don't. So, okay. Two equals Uh two. That I can handle. So, (laughs) So, what did Charlie mean by invert an argument, right, that isn't a series of numbers? What he meant was, essentially, take your best reasons for why you should buy this company, which are, essentially, boil it down, I understand the business. All right, now invert that. No, I don't. I don't understand the business. This business has elements that I do not get all right and then you have to yeah let me model. read a
1: couple from our list okay, good so the first one the first one under that understanding or meaning is that the business is on the edge or outside of your circle of competence and your circle of competence are the areas that you you know those companies you know that industry right and you understand it and you can describe it and so the very literally, this is the very first point on the expensive errors checklist. Right. That company is on the edge of that, which is my favorite thing that you put in there. Or outside. Outside is obvious. On the edge, though, that always makes me think. Is did it I, on the edge? Did I ever Was this tell a stretch you stretch for me?
0: Did I ever explain why that's the number one thing on the inversion list? Like why that's the most important thing? Take I a know, shot. Why do you me? think it is? Why do you think that's the most important? part of the inverted argument.
1: Because if it's something that you don't truly understand, you shouldn't go any further. Full stop.
0: Pretty dang exactly right, but let me push it a little bit, okay? If you don't understand it, you, you should stop right there, full stop because it's exactly what you said. But here's the catch, honey. you may not realize you don't understand it. if it's on the edge of your circle mm-hmm. of competence. in other words, there are elements you do understand about this business and that gives you false confidence that you understand the whole thing well it's really you're not going to have a tr- you're not going to have problems with businesses you don't understand that's i, I don't get intel okay great you're not going to go banging away on oh i think i'm going to buy <laughs> intel stock it's the ones like you got deep into whole foods and you really started to understand that whole grocery business okay Now, there are businesses on the edge of the grocery business. That means they're supplying food. So now you go to Smithfield Foods that raises hogs for the grocery business. And you may falsely think that you understand it because it seems familiar. And you just don't quite keep digging. So it's the businesses on the edge of your circle of competence that are the ones that are going to bite you in the butt. Because you don't know that you don't know. That's
1: yeah, because it's easy to start taking mental leaps without realizing that you're taking mental leaps. Oh, well, the hog business is probably just like the natural foods business and probably has the same sort of same store sales. So I'm going to compare those two. And voila, I now have an opinion about Smithfield Foods, when I forgot to think, oh, wait, do they have totally different standards?
0: Yeah, oh wait, they have 70% of their business is just one company, and if they cut them off, boom, they're gone. I mean, just that one little thing that you wouldn't have known, because obviously grocery stores aren't single source to anybody, right? They got thousands of suppliers. Well, what if the one, what if the Smithfield Foods Company is really only functional because Walmart's buying their stuff? That would be important to know before you step into that investment. So. You have to be sure you do your work, and inverting the argument is a critical aspect of that. That you have to be sure you do. Inverting essentially, you take your best arguments and you turn them on their head, and you say, "This doesn't have a moat. This moat is broken," and then you try to prove that's true. That's how I. Go okay, it.
1: I have a. I have a thought. Tell me what you think about this. Because I'm thinking about Whole Foods and my understanding of it. Now, what I learned from researching Whole Foods is that the grocery industry is singular, and it's complicated. It's more complicated than it appears. And it's different than other industries. And the more I learned about it, the more I discovered how little I know. Or maybe a better way of saying is, there's a lot of stuff that I to this day don't know about the grocery industry. And I could see those things as I did more and more research and got to know the industry and the company better. And sort of weirdly that gave me confidence that I understood that business pretty well and, and, I, and well enough to buy because I could see the stuff that I didn't totally know enough about.
0: Boy, I'm going to take this- Does that make
1: any sense to you? That makes a
0: million tons of sense to me. Um, I'm going to tell you really quickly, I don't know anybody who's a good investor that doesn't read a lot. Charlie reads very, very broadly, probably more broadly than anyone I ever met, but Warren reads a lot, Manesh Pabrai reads a lot, Guy Spear reads a lot, I read a lot, you read a lot. And it's that reading that leads you to understand something about education. And that is, as you go through your life, you start to discover that the more you read, the more broadly you understand, uh, the more things you've accumulated into your head, the less you feel 1,000% confident that you really got it. It, It's when you're ignorant, you start to think you got it. And so the biggest danger for Mm -hmm. beginning investors is to think you really understand this stuff without going deep. Because when you do go deep, you will find out that there are elements on the edge of every single business that you may not fully understand. And you have to go deeper into those. So it's a real, it's a real learning process. It does, and that's why we need you to focus on just one thing. You, you dig that canyon of knowledge an inch wide and a mile deep. You go deep, 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 and then you go deeper. I mean, as I've said before, I I get every book out of Amazon. I get the, you know, I, I used to go to the library, but now I just buy the books. And dig in and read all about it. And inevitably, you're going to find there are elements of this thing you may not, you may not fully grasp. And then you have to make a decision. Are these areas that could be really damaging right. to my investment or maybe not? And then yeah. you must insist on a margin of safety. So investing is a humbling enterprise. It requires that you really are serious about what you don't know. And 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 you try very hard to keep away from that edge. And then you insist on a margin of safety because you may be by the edge anyway and not know you're there. And it's the margin of that's safety that point. protects us.
1: That's a great point that that's where the margin of safety comes in. Yep. That's a really good point. That's, that's something I forget a lot.
0: And don't forget, the margin of safety is a huge margin of safety. We, we look at a 10 cap margin of safety and say, oh man, I want a 10% yield from the way this business is functioning right now during the crisis that it's in. Or I want a margin of safety of 50% discount to the value I think this company has. So we look for a huge buffer to uh, allow for the inevitable ignorance that we have about some aspect of a business so i think that's enough for today let's continue this discussion
1: hey (laughs) ted i realized i forgot another one of our gifts because we have so many
0: there's more
1: (laughs) sorry there's more um and it's actually a really good one you and i are going to do a webinar just for people who pre-order the book called secrets of surviving a market crash and that'll be in april And only people who pre-order and sign up with their receipt are going to be invited to that. Um, That's going to be a really cool virtual investing seminar.
0: I get asked all the time when people look look back at videos that we have posted up, and they'll see a video that happened in 2010 when I was on CNBC. Um, and the the moderators of the discussion there said look you called it right both times like getting out of the market in 2007 getting back in the market in 2009 they said like how did you do that well what we're going to talk about is one aspect of that how you are able to survive a market crash the secrets that are there are secrets from Warren Buffett Charlie Munger they're all about how they are preparing right now, and I'm speaking right now in February uh, 2018, the things that those guys are doing, that I'm doing, that our students are doing right now to provide an, uh, not just provide an opportunity to survive a market crash, but to survive it and then come out the other side with the beginnings of an enormous new wealth that they'll be able to create as a result of what they're doing to avoid being there when the market crashes, so it's a big deal. We're going to tell you exactly how you go about that, and um, that webinar could. Save and how you. to
1: feel good, how to feel good through a crash, rather than going through this huge emotional craziness along with everybody else. That's going to be huge too. Yep, we're going we're to gonna, talk all. About we're going to
0: start off with with uh, Maria Bartiromo interviewing me. Um, back in 2009 and what I said about getting out. I'm sorry, 2007, about what I said about getting out. And then we'll dive deep into that. Don't miss that, you guys. That's worth about a 1,000 times what you're uh, paying for that book, I promise you. It's incredibly valuable. So look forward to seeing you guys. Get out there, order the book. Let's drive this to number one on the New York Times bestseller list and make it part of this revolution that we're conducting here about individual investing, breaking down modern portfolio theory, and taking control of our lives financially.
1: Awesome. All right, (laughs) on that. Time go play. Thanks everybody. We'll be back next week with um some exciting new stuff. This is all happening. as <laughs> uh, the big build-up to the book. We're gonna have a cool guest on next week, so I'm excited.
0: Awesome. I hope um, you win and we to get to you meet all you. Later. Yeah, we'll meet you at our house. So. Yeah, me too. Alright, talk to you soon. Time to go play.
1: See. Go to investedbook.com. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to Invested. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head over to investedpodcast.com for our show notes and a special offer on how the podcast listeners can attend my three-day transformational investing workshop for free where we just teach the heck out of you for three straight days. We don't sell anything and we get you a scholarship to come to it for free. So come on over there and take a look at that. And by the way, as our lawyers want me to say. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion. My opinion's right. And is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So this podcast is just for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it. So until next time, time to go play.